from 99.9 The Fan. This is The Drive with Tim Donnelly. Sponsored by Coach Pete at Capital Financial Advisory Group. Visit us at CapitalFinancialUSA.com. How bad was the Panthers' season? Really? How much time we got? Well, as much as you need. You got to talk something off your chest. You, 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 need, you need to, like... Uh, do we need to get the couch, like the the therapist couch, and have you lay down and really really work through some things? Um, I charge by the hour, by the way, just just so you know up front. Uh, how bad was the Panthers' season, really? I know it feels like absolute rock bottom, but is that just recency bias? Right, you break you break your arm and it is broken at the moment. Doctor comes up to you and says, uh, pain, 1 to 10, 10 being the worst pain you've ever felt. You're like, it's a 10. My arm is broken. Once it gets fixed up, right, once you get it in a cast, then it's like, actually, you know, when when I broke my leg a couple years ago in six places, that's probably a 10. This one might have been like a, like a 7 and a half. Uh, it's, right, with time comes better perspective. How bad was the Panthers season really? Well, I can tell you right now, there are those passing around statistics that are, are just trying to make you feel horrendous about it. I don't know if, if, if you've had the same experience I've had, but I've read this stat 10 times in the last 24 hours. The Panthers are the first team in NFL history to never have a lead for an offensive snap in the fourth quarter of an entire season. I've seen it a ton. They've ne- they didn't have a lead for a single play in the fourth quarter because their two wins came on game-winning field goals as time expired. First team in NFL history to do that. Even the teams that went 0-16 had a lead in the fourth quarter at some point. So uh, the pan- that, that, that's – if you're arguing it's not as bad as it seems, that's a tough one to come back from. But I, I did a further dive. Hmm. In 2001, the Panthers won just one game, lost 15. That's actually the worst winning percentage for a season in Panthers history. They won the first game of the season, then lost 15 straight. Which is a longer losing streak than they've had this year. True. This year they won two games and lost 15. That's the second worst winning percentage in franchise history. In 2010, they finished 32 out of 32 teams in points scored. It's the worst in franchise history. This year, they finished 31st in points scored. That is the second worst in franchise history. In 2019, they finished 31 out of 32 in points allowed. uh, Not ironically, but impressively, they've never finished dead last in points allowed. This year, they finished 29th. That's the second worst in franchise history. In 2010, they finished 32nd in point differential. This year, 31st. It's the second worst in franchise history. You may say, all right, they're the second worst in franchise history and all these things. It can't be rock bottom. There has to be a worst in franchise history. The problem with that is, and I looked up a ton of stats. I'm not going to read them all to you because then it just becomes reading stats with Tim Donnelly here on 99.9 The Fan, and that doesn't sound too fun. I could read an encyclopedia for you if you wanted to, but that's probably just a sleep inducer. Um, They're second worst in franchise history in almost every stat, and it's almost impressive to be exactly second and not worst like they are just second in everyone uh but the the deal is the worst teams in those in franchise history worst years in franchise history that are first in all those stats are different there's 2001 there's 2010 there's 2019 there's a team from the 90s there's all these different teams that are first and the 2023 panthers are always second yeah it's it's like uh for mvp voting if 
15 different people get first place votes and you get every single second place vote, you're winning MVP, right? On points. <laughs> you're winning it on the cards. This is the worst team in Panthers history on the cards. Wasn't a knockout blow. Mm-hmm. 2010 was pretty close. There were some cool things that happened in 2019, but overall stats, especially on defense, not great. 2001 holds a candle. I mean, that's up there. But I think if you go to the cards, it's a split decision. It's the 2023 team is the worst Panthers team since the franchise was introduced way back in the mid-90s. That's a cold glass of water to the face. And it gets worse. Because I would argue the second worst team in franchise history was 2010. But guess what was the light at the end of the tunnel in 2010? You were so bad, you got the number one overall pick. That led to Cam Newton, and that led to you know the better part of a decade of not having to be close to being the worst team in franchise history. Yeah, Cam, then you brought in Rivera as well. Yeah, you know how everyone's really excited about C.J. Stroud and how good he's been as a rookie? Mm-hmm. The, the silver lining is every time he does some kind of rookie record, they put up the rookie passing all-time leaders. Cam Newton's sitting right there. Yep. There's Cam. There, there he is. I mean, the, the, as soon as he showed up, that team completely changed. Mm-hmm. That's what a number one pick is supposed to do. Well, this year, again, worst team in franchise history. It's worse than that 2010 team. You should have the number one pick to expect to do the same. Problem is, you traded it away. You don't even have that light at the end of the tunnel. This is rock bottom. This is, and by the way, I meant rock bottom of everything we've experienced thus far. Not saying it can't get worse. You can get a drill out, you can get a jackhammer out, and go right through this bottom to a new bottom. But we've never been this low before when it comes to the Carolina Panthers. Like I said, since the franchise has been introduced, they have never been as bad as they were this year. There has never been as little reason for hope as there is this year. This is where the test of NFL fans comes into play. Because what do you hear every offseason? Every team's 0-0, every team's optimistic, every team's excited about their signings and draft picks. We'll see. We'll see. They're going to hire a coach here in the not-too-distant future, hopefully a GM before that. Can they drum up your excitement? We'll see. Well, you know, this is uncharted territory with how this 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 franchise as a whole has just, from a production standpoint, never been this low. We can we can do the the spin zone game. Heck, I can do the spin zone game, right? Because the the argument against like 2019 is a really bad season. Is well, Christian McCaffrey went for a thousand thousand, right? How can you be that bad if you have a player that transcendent? All right, this year Derek Brown broke the all time record for tackles by an interior defensive lineman. I mean, it's that's it's like the defensive lineman version of a thousand thousand. I guess yeah. you're going to be a defensive tackle. So you're doing your job. A hundred tackles. Uh, the, yeah. the the problem is he did that, and you still were the worst team in franchise history. Mm-hmm. Imagine if that 2019 team didn't have Christian McCaffrey. They might be as bad as 2023. Gosh. It. I mean, this is not recency bias, is what I'm telling you. This whole exercise, the whole point of it wasn't to pile on, wasn't to just look at this team and point and go, ha, ha, you're so bad. It was to say, like, don't your eyes are not deceiving you, right? When you watch these games, it was that rough. When you watch these games, it, it, was, it, was, it was that bad, right? The, the temptation is always to go, it's not as bad as it seems, it's not as good as it seems. 
Well, it might be as bad as it seems. And when you go back and you do like an audit, an autopsy at the end of the season, and you look through all of the facts and figures and you look through all the results, and it is a results-based business, it holds up. It holds up. This was not, you know, a pitcher giving up, you know, eight runs in two innings. And it's like, yeah, but they were all seeing eye singles. No one really got a good bat on the ball. It was just bad luck. This was not that. It was line drives off the wall. Yeah. It, it was dingers. It, it was. All uh, shots to the gap. Yeah, it was just, they timed you up. They, I don't know, you were tipping your pitch, something. There, there was something wrong. And when you go back and watch the film, it's like, yeah, you know what? I actually was a bad pitcher that day. Yeah, here's a pitch, 85 miles per hour, flat, no movement, right down the middle. <laughs> Who's to blame? We can have that debate, and we will, most of the offseason. But there's a lot of blame to go around. There's a ton of blame to go around. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours, like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons' new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply. Tomorrow, when NC State and UNC play at PNC, that'll be a little triangle on triangle uh, winning and losing, right? Yeah. Uh, but I said earlier today that I believe the four best teams in the ACC, men's basketball, as they're playing right now, all reside in the state of North Carolina. So now I need Duke to go at Pitt tonight, take care of business, and I need Wake to go on the road to Florida State, take care of business, back me up, right? A loss makes me look bad, so I'm, I'm asking them a favor to go dominate. Let's start with Duke at Pitt. Number 11 in the country, Duke at Pitt. Uh, the Duke side of things. Pitt's an interesting matchup for them, right? Uh, last time they played, Duke was catching their stride on their way to their ACC tournament title, a 96-69 win in the quarterfinals. It's about as well as they've played under John Shire. It's about as well as they've played since he, he, he took over. Um, I also think, and this, this is the Duke side of things, uh, Dennis, you and I, we might need a little bit of a, we might need to issue a little bit of an apology. Oh, who do you think is fourth in the ACC in blocked shots? I bet it's Kyle Filipowski. It's Kyle Filipowski. Yeah. I would not have guessed that, mm -hmm. but that's, I mean, you know, that's a stat to, to kind of counteract what we've been saying, which is he's hasn't been protecting the rim as well as we would hope a seven foot big would for Duke. I think my concern with him is mostly just getting into foul trouble. That's my biggest concern. I mean, and that's going to be the blueprint mm -hmm. until he, he you know, has a stretch of two or three weeks where he doesn't get in foul trouble. But fourth and block shots, that's legit in a, in a conference like the ACC, which is going to have talented bigs up, up and down the roster. And more importantly, quite a few teams are going to have defense-focused bigs, right? Kyle Filipowski is fourth in the ACC in block shots. He's also like fifth in scoring and eighth in rebounds. Like he is an 
offensive-minded player. He has a skill set on the offensive side that is extremely unique in the college game, especially for someone his size. So being fourth in block shots, you know, to, to what was it, uh, Shaq? I forget who he was apologizing to. Like, I apologize. I was not familiar with your game. I thought I was familiar with Kyle Filipowski's game. I watched all his games, didn't realize he was blocking that many shots. Uh, so, so I give him credit for that. The other thing is, um, there's a couple teams here in the the uh, the the triangle that are really really good when it comes to limiting turnovers. Duke ranks eighth in the or, or sorry eighth in the country in assist to turnover ratio, and ninth in the country in fewest turnovers per game. That's good. That's very good. Yeah. And and uh, earlier today, I was talking with Kevin Keats, the, the head coach of NC State. They are first in the ACC in turnover margin, and they are seventh nationally in turnover margin. So so there's some clean basketball. If not always the best basketball, it's clean mm-hmm. being played here in the triangle. If Duke does that against Pitt, if, if, um, if Duke has Kyle Filipowski actively protecting the paint and, and protecting the ball on offense, I think minimum is a solid win. Now the, the the thing is, you know, Jeff Capel's over there. He's, you know, last season's ACC coach of the year and he's going to be scheming up ways to get Filipowski into foul trouble and to uh maybe not have Duke be as efficient and force some turnovers and, and the like. And they have a lot of seven-footers over there. They'll they'll send him in waves. Yeah. And they're Pitt, desperate for a win too, by the way. Uh that's the other thing I wanted to talk about. Uh Pitt is 10 and 5 on the season. So they're a double-digit team win uh, winning team already, but they're 1 and 3 in the ACC. And their only win in the ACC is over Louisville. So, does that even count? Um, this game is the the gift and the curse of being Duke, being North Carolina, being Kansas, being Kentucky, being one of the the blue bloods. Is Pitt desperately needs a win to change the trajectory of their season? They desperately need a big conference win, and Duke is always that opportunity. Right? You beat Duke. It changes the trajectory of your team. Blake Hinson is is their guy, right? He's averaging 19 points per game, but in the ACC, there's been some games where he's putting up 10, 11, right? He, he's not all the way uh, up to his average. You score 25 against Duke, that can kickstart everything. That's the gift and the curse of being Duke, right? One, you kind of come with an uh, intimidation factor. It's the gift and the curse of being a blue blood. The other is you're always that Goliath that, that a team can slay and change everything. So they've lost to Clemson, Syracuse, UNC, right? Those are good teams in the ACC. You beat Duke, you go on a run with a little bit easier schedule. Pitt's season is different. I also need Wake Forest to back me up tonight. They're playing at Florida State. And I'm sitting here, right, when I introduce the Duke game, I say number 11 Duke up against Pitt. Why don't I have to say a number when I say Wake Forest? Why don't I have to say number blank Wake Forest in the top 25? They received a lot of votes, though. What does Wake Forest need to do to get the respect of the ACC in the nation? They are on a nine-game winning streak. They are 3-0 and in the ACC. You may say, well, it's a nine-game winning streak, but that's only because they lost, what, three of their first six, three of their first five, whatever it is. I agree, but I'll say this. I will counter your counter with a counter of my own. They lost all three of those games before Efton Reed became eligible. He's a big part of their team. Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you a little timeline here of the Efton Reed uh, 
uh, addition to Wake Forest. They are 7-0 and since Efton Reed entered the rotation. He is a transfer from Gonzaga who was not eligible at the beginning of the year uh, but did earn the waiver even before the the NCAA got rid of two-time transfer waivers for the year. So he, he started playing seven games ago. They are 7-0 and since Efton Reed entered the rotation. He entered the starting lineup four games ago, which covers all three of their ACC wins. He became the leading rebounder in each of the last two games, which are wins over Boston College and a big win over Miami. Also, the two close wins that they've had, the two wins by less than 10 points. He's made a difference. Those three losses, right, it's it's that, you know, you didn't beat this Wake Forest, you beat that Wake Forest. Hunter Salas, Kevin Miller, uh, Cameron Hildreth, uh, Andrew Carr, all 14 points or more per game. Efton Reed comes in and, and doesn't score 14 plus, although I think he could score more if he was asked to, uh, but he fills the, the big guy role and rebounding need. Now, which obviously, and I've said this a bunch, allows Andrew Carr to get out and play more of a stretch four, which is big for them. He, he can knock it down. Now they play Florida State tonight, who is having a down year for Florida State. This is why I ask, what do they have to do to earn the respect? Because I can tell you how this game is going to go tonight. I don't see it as enough for, for Wake to change people's minds about them with a, with a win. But losing it would, would confirm what the doubters already presume. It's a lose-lose for Wake. They win, who cares? Florida State's having a down year. They lose, I told you you weren't a top 25 team. It's like, wait, wait, wait a second. I, I think you pay attention and you look at the eye test. If they look like a, a really, really good team in the ACC and they go for 10 straight wins, 4-0 in the ACC, you take note. I don't care if Florida State's having a down year. You take note. And again, I'm asking both teams to back me up. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. 